The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. We're not going to put it out because this is an embarrassing ad, but we are hiring for TV carryouters. If, if anybody would like this job and actually nail it, I don't know if you see us clowns up here every week sneaking to get this thing right, but if you think you can do a better job, the job is real. <laughs> Pays nothing, but man, is it a status. <laughs> um, I got to check off one of my city bucket lists not too long ago. Chicago was one of the cities on my bucket list that I wanted to visit. Anybody here from Chicago? I'm curious. No, not in the first service either. You guys are all from Hub City. You better be proud. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for, right there. But anyway, Chicago was, was an awesome city. My wife and I went a couple years back, and um, we, we did the Chicago things. We were in Millennium Park for like a music festival. And if you're in Millennium Park, you have to uh, go take a picture by that big chrome bubble thing. You know, it's, I don't know what, it's like a bean something like that. He took that picture. There's only one picture that I honestly needed for myself, and that was the one in front of the Michael Jordan statue. With my Jordans on. Y'all getting this? Made my day. And then in Chicago, you have to partake of three words, three glorious Chicago words. Say it with me, church. Deep dish. Pizza. It's like a round sofa that you just sit in. And every now and then you just kind of, I'm pretty sure I'm lactose intolerant for reasons that I won't expound upon, but I do not care. Right into deep dish pizza. A lot of great memories from that trip. There was one memory, though, that I'll never be able to shake. Uh, my wife and I were walking down one of the busy city streets heading towards something, now we was about to get into something, turn up somewhere, and um, hopefully that's nothing. So we're gonna pretend that we don't hear that. For all you guys online, there's a bell going off right now. It's just somebody's car alarm. Anyway, we were walking down the street, picture a busy, crowded city street, and we came to this part where there's like two buildings and the space in between there was probably just, just a little bigger than like a doorway. And um, sitting there uh, was a lady. Her stuff was all there, and she was sitting down, and she had her, her head kind of like down in her lap. And see, I told you it's nothing. Parents are all like, are you sure it was nothing? Yeah, I'm sure it was nothing. Anyway, this lady's sitting there, and she has all of her stuff with her, and she's kind of huddled up, almost like she was asleep. And beside her, on the ground sitting was um, two little kids. And um, about three, four years old was the oldest they could be. Clearly they were on the street. And because she's asleep and people are just walking by and they're sitting there. And so we keep going and I notice my wife slows down. I'm like, baby, what's wrong? And she's, she's about to tear up and she's thinking, Spencer, I can't, I can't get that out of my head. Like I can't, I can't shake that. Like we, we have to do something about that. So we go get, you know, around the corner and get a gift card and we bring it back. And like I said, the mom was like, she was asleep. So we just kind of slid it to one of the kids and was like, shh, tell your mom. Now I'm not showing you that. So you can be like, way to go, Spence. Like I'm, I'm actually being vulnerable about something. It made me think 
Would it have felt the same way to us if it were just a guy there? Just some guy by himself, poor, homeless on the street. Would it have did the same thing? Did it only strike a nerve because we're parents? Or even if you're not a parent, the moment you say children, unless you're a robot, your, your heart moves. But does anybody in need does it do the same thing to us? I'm asking this because this is not a Chicago, D.C., L.A. problem. This is a hub city problem. This is a Washington County issue. Right now, if you drive down Antietam Street and you pass Burhans Boulevard and you're going to go under the train bridges, under those train bridges, there's great big boulders. Now, I don't work for the city council. I have no idea why they're there. I'm not going to imply anything, but what I do know is this. I know what was there just before those boulders. Homeless families living under the bridge. We feel this. We come up to, we're approaching a, a stoplight, right? And we don't want the light to turn yellow. And normally that's just because this is America and you don't tell us to stop. But you're approaching this light and if it turns yellow, you know you're going to be right at the front of the line where this person in the median is standing there with a sign. And they're going to walk past your car. And you don't know what to do. Do I give them something? Do I not? Do I say, well, they should go work or go get a job? Or do, do I start judging? Do I start questioning? Am I skeptical? Do I just give whatever I have? Do I have a care kit there? Do I give them money? Do I circle back around the block and get a gift card? Like, and if I don't have anything to give, I got to look straight ahead, right? Look straight ahead. Don't look at them. Because if you look at them, then you got to give them something. Like, all of these, you say, you better laugh. You better laugh because don't leave me hanging. Don't you judge me. How dare you? I'm being vulnerable here. We go through all these policies, procedures, and protocols, all the while missing the person. Listen, this isn't a guilt message today, okay? Take a breath. It's actually a thankful message. Meaning today, if you rolled in here today on something mean and clean, you should be thankful. That's okay. That's a blessing. Be thankful. If you walked here today, be thankful. Be thankful either way. This little cafe that we set out every weekend for you guys, and today is a loophole because I didn't know when I did my notes that Crumpies was going to be here. <laughs> okay. So that sabotages the point I'm about to make. But anyway... Normally, a little cafe that we have and we set out every weekend, for some of us, it's just excess. We could take it or leave it passively, but for some people, it's a necessity they can't pass up. I've seen it. And to both of you, to all of us in between, welcome home. We love our city. I've probably said that sentence six, seven times throughout this series. We love our city, not just its original donut, or it's beautiful park, or it's newly renovated Maryland Theater. Shout out to the Maryland Theater. We should, we should do a service there, right? Like, just because. Where's Patrick at? Talk to you, buddy. We love our city because of who built these things, the people. We love our city's people. And if we love our city, what we've committed to not just during this For Our City series, but we've committed to be, being for our city, which means we're going to address its issues. 
We're going to look at them from a God perspective, and God's perspective is Jesus. We believe Jesus is the son of the one true God. And that when our lives encounter Jesus, our lives are changed, and those changed lives coming together can impact a city and can impact the world. And so I just want to take us to his heart today about this issue of need, poverty, homelessness. This is a real issue in our community. Many of us will never know what it feels like to walk to the nearest community agency, fill out paperwork, stand in the line and wonder who's judging you? What opinions do they have about you, about why you're there? I know that. I know that feeling. Fitted on down low, hoodie over top, walking in there, hoping nobody sees me. I don't want people to know I need help. I don't want to seem that way. I don't want judgment eyes on me. I know that feeling. A whole lot more of us will never know what it's like to have an honest source of work and still not be able to make the ends meet. And when you look in one room and see all of your kids playing and look in the next room and see empty cupboards and an empty refrigerator to know what it feels like to be tempted, tempted, to go back to some illegal means of income. And I would never make excuses for anybody's incarceration. I'm just simply stating that need can lead to desperation. And desperation of all this deprivation of poverty and need in a world of greed makes me ask, how does Jesus feel about the struggle is real? Does he care? I'm going to show you a story today in the book of John. We'll take a look at a miracle that Jesus did, a well-known miracle. I'm going to look at it, and we're going to break it down. And the first thing I want you to see is, is, where does Jesus stand on this? If he were to pull up to the stoplight and somebody asks him for something, what does his heart say? What does he do? Because we don't always know. And we don't always know if we do do something, what it will actually do. Let me take you to this scripture. This is in the book of John. Chapter 6, verses 5. We're going to go all the way down to 12. It says, now you need to know something, and you probably already do. Jesus is the main attraction. He is a sold-out show every time, everywhere he goes, there's a crowd. And in this story, there's the same thing happening. This is, when Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? There's no Panera around. What are we going to do? Now, he asked this only to test them, for he already knew what he had in mind, what he was going to do. So Uncle Phil answered him. Uncle Phil answered the Fresh Prince of Peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a story about how. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each of us to have one bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But, I mean, how far will they go among so many? We can do a lottery. You're the winner. 
Jesus said, no, I wasn't, okay, you jumped. I was, okay. <laughs> there was plenty of grass in that place. And so they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. They, this, counting only the men means that they weren't counting the women and children too. So there could have been anywhere between 5,000, 15,000. And so there's plenty of grass. I'm seeing like this festival. I'm seeing like Sunday service with Kanye. You know, they're all out there on the grass and on the hill. It's a music festival and kids are touching camel poop. Jesus then took the loaves and he, remember what I said this message was? He took the loaves and he gave thanks. Remember that. About this little offering. He took the loaves and he gave thanks. And he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he told the disciples, gather the pieces that are left. Let nothing be wasted. Let's zoom back in on, on verse 5, I believe it is. Where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? This is Jesus' words. He sees the crowd coming. For us, it's like we ride downtown and we, we see the line standing out in front of a church, a community building, something like that. We, we see, you know, this, this scene that created looks like, like Hope Day or something, some outreach that we're doing. And so Jesus sees the crowd of people, and look where his mind goes. Man, where are we going to get food for everybody? How are, we, how are we going to take care of all these people's needs? His mind was on their needs, which means to him they weren't a nuisance, They weren't an eyesore. They weren't a problem. They weren't a burden. He didn't judge them. He didn't say, well, where are they all going to go earn a quick buck real quick to feed themselves? He felt them. He cared about their need. This is where Jesus' mind goes. And so then... He's, he's saying that, he, he's hoping that his disciples feel the same way because Jesus was showing them knowing that he and his team were the answer. They weren't coming hoping there was a food truck there. Jesus knew he was the meals on wheels. And so he turns the question to his disciples in the next verse. He says, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? But he asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. He's being rhetorical. When you ask somebody a rhetorical question, it's because they better know the answer, right? Hey, bud, how long them dishes going to sit in a sink like that? <laughs> Man, that grass looks mighty long. Jumanji out there. Do you think we could do something about it? Huh? What? I'm just playing. Shout out to my son. My son takes care of the lawn. He does a great job. <laughs> when you ask somebody a rhetorical question, they better know the answer. And that's what he's asking his team, his followers. He's saying, man, do you think we could do something about this? Is there something that we could do? 
He's priming their hearts. He's priming our hearts. Yeah, this is the, this is the same rhetorical question for us today. He's asking us, his followers. Listen, maybe you're a guest here today, never been to church. Maybe you have been. Maybe you're returning to church. Maybe you don't believe in God or anything or don't know what to believe. Welcome home. Glad you're here. A lot of the people in here, though, they, they're here because they believe in Jesus. They're here because they believe they're a part of the church. They're followers, disciples of Jesus. And the same way that he was asking those disciples then, he's asking us the same question now. Can we do something? And look at the wording. Now, should we? He's already answered that question. Jesus has already revealed his heart about this. There was no should at all. It was can we? Can we do something about this? And so he asked Philip the question, hey, Phil, what you think? You think we could do something about this? And he gives the kind of answer that we would give. He gives a logical human answer. Take a look at the scripture, what he says. He says, well, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have one bite. Jesus, we do not have enough dough for enough dough. And even if we did, everybody's going to get one donut hole. Little kids come back like, more please, more. Sorry, kid. I keep seeing that Mickey and the Beanstalk old cartoon where Mickey's like slicing a bean. <laughs> He's saying even if we came up with an impossible amount of money that we cannot come up with, it still won't feed everybody. We, we feel that. That right there is the tension that we feel. When it comes to people's needs, when it comes to giving, we wonder if it'll actually help. We wonder if doing something small could make a difference in a problem so big. And so because of that, it can keep us from doing nothing. And so Jesus does this miracle and honestly, he didn't need to involve anybody. This is Jesus we're talking about. He either could have known, you guys, there's a kid somewhere in the crowd with five hush puppies and a two-piece. Go bring him to me. Or, or he could do the whole cloudy with a chance of meatballs and just make it rain down food. Like, stand back. Fish just fall. I mean, like, you pick whatever you want. He could have done all that, but for some reason, he involves his people. Guys, what do you think? You think we could do something? I don't know, Jesus. He involves them. Why? See, Jesus knew there would come a time then, and fast forward to now, where his followers would have to be the heart and the hands of Jesus. There's another scripture later on where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he tells them, hey, listen, you're always going to have the poor among you, but you're not always going to have me. Now, I'm going to stop and I'm going to go back to the latter. Jesus just said, you are always going to have need among you. You're always going to have homelessness. You're always going to have poverty. You're always going to have families in need. You're always going to have this struggle. And to me, when you hear the miracle maker say that, when you hear the one who can actually do something about all of it, say that this problem is never going to be completely eradicated, that might make you pause even more. Like, well, then what's the use? If we will never 
feed enough people on the planet? What's the use in trying? If we can never have enough money or resources to build enough tiny house nation to put every homeless person in there, what's the use? We will never have enough to offer. This problem's always going to be there, but what if? What if the whole point in Jesus prompting us to do something about this issue is because what if we actually have something better to offer? What if we have something better to offer this problem? Jesus moves on. He goes on to the Father. His spirit is here. The church begins. Peter's one of the first people that helped begin the church. And Peter has an encounter that we all have one day. Somebody comes up to him asking for help. He doesn't come up to him, though. He's, he's crippled. He's on the ground. This guy would wait outside the same city gate every day asking for help because he couldn't do anything. And when Peter comes walking by, this is in the book of Acts. I'm going to show you the scripture. Peter comes walking by, and this is what he says. This man's there, and he's begging. He's asking for help, just like we see. We see need, and we see people asking for help all the time. Sometimes it's us. And this is what Peter says to him. He says, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. See, there's your answer. When you don't have nothing to offer anybody, just heal them. Tell them stand. I'm like, I am standing. Do you see what happened here? This man thought that he had a physical need. Can you please give me money? And maybe he did. Peter saw that he needed something more. Peter saw that he needed something greater than that. When I'm asking you, do we have, do we have something greater that we could offer in these situations? Yeah. Think about it this way. With Jesus, Jesus levels the playing field for all of us. Whether you come from the hood or from the Hamptons, Jesus levels the playing field. And this is what I mean. Someone could know Jesus, have a relationship with him, like many of us do. Someone could know Jesus and still live their entire life homeless struggling to find something to eat, digging out of a trash can, fighting medical issues with no help, live their entire life homeless with a relationship with Jesus. Their entire life homeless and then sadly one day pass away in that homelessness. Watch. And in that instance, be welcomed into one of the mansions of heaven. You see it? Not everybody on the Forbes list is on God's list, unfortunately. Somebody standing, seeking help at the back of the DSS line could be first in line when Jesus hands out crowns. The riches are God's. But see, they'll never know that unless we share the love of God with them. And they'll never know the love of God unless we're willing to share the message of Christ with them. Jesus cares. He cares about the problems on the surface because they're a pathway to the soul. That man thought he had a surface issue. I need money. Peter said, no, you actually need Jesus. 
And so when we encounter somebody with a need, it's an opportunity for us to share a treasure that can never be taken away from them. Jesus. And so we see Jesus do this miracle and meet a physical need. And Jesus wasn't coming here to fix all the problems. That's why he said, I know this problem's still going to be here. But he would still feed the hungry, clothe those who needed, put a roof over everyone's head. Not because he was trying to fix things here, but because he was going above and beyond, heaven above and beyond. It's a pathway to reach someone's soul when you meet their need. And honestly, we all have the same need. We have a need for Jesus. All of us, from the aristocrat to the arrested for burglary, was born with a negative balance in our God account. We were born with the infection of sin, the spiritual infection that separates us from God. And so Jesus' mission to come here, although he did take care of surface problems, he had a sole purpose of rescuing our soul. And so what he did was consolidate all of our spiritual debt, took every single one of our debts of sin and mistakes that we've ever made and piled it on himself. And you can imagine that taking on the billions and billions of people's debt would bankrupt somebody's life, and it did his to the point of death. And an ugly death, a humiliating death, a humiliating death of being hung publicly on a cross, and that's more humiliating than standing in a line and asking for help or standing out on the street holding a sign. It was humiliating because he was the king and he left the presence of heaven in the poverty. And then he dies. Buried in a tomb and then days later, God hits up his PayPal account, brings him back to life so that we could be forgiven of all that debt and have a second chance at a relationship with God. Now I'm gonna ask you today, if you've never made that decision, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it put that way. I'm gonna ask you straight up, have you ever said yes to that? You hearing that today, do you believe it? Do you want it? All you need to do is say yes. God, I believe that, thank you. Thank you so much for the eternity and riches of heaven right now. I want it and all you need to do is say yes. We say yes to that and then God now empowers us to go be part of the solution. I want, to sh I want to bring some of the story back up again real quick. I'm just going to skim over it. They're there, and there's this great outreach going out. Jesus fills the needs of the people, and he's asking them what to do. And so Andrew brings his little boy's lunch. Jesus takes it, multiplies it, feeds everyone with leftovers. It was a quality meal. I mean, like the disciples were out there were like, would you like tartar sauce or that? Like, it was great. It was more than one donut hole. But I want you to see all the steps. Go to the next slide, you guys. Feeds everybody. It's a wonderful time. Keep going. The disciples gather it all up. Nothing's wasted. The point that I want you to see throughout this process from the little boy to the disciples to Jesus to the disciples doing the service is that all of us, we all can be a part of this miracle. Of people's lives being changed, of their needs being met, their ultimate need that we all have of knowing Jesus. We all have a part in this miracle. Think about it. Before that little boy left out that day, somebody had to hook him up with a Lunchable. 
His mom saw him darting out the door. Where you going? I'm going out. They're going to see Jesus. I'm going, okay, listen, take, take a PBJ. She gets the leftovers from the fish fry over the last weekend with the hot sauce. And, uh, if my wife hears this, we're having fish tonight. <laughs> but she sets him up for success. He then takes what he has there and he's willing to give it, even though it's meager and small. He says, I'll share. He shares it. Andrew sees it, takes it to the connection that he has, gives it to Jesus. Jesus, voila, multiplies it. The disciples go, we'll help. Start handing out baskets, collecting it all back. All of us play one of those parts right now. And the answer to our community's need, we all play a part. Some of you are the mom. Some of you have somebody, whether it's you're actually a mom and you have a child and you can see their compassion, like growing in them even at a young age, or maybe just somebody in your life, a peer even, that needs you to set them up with words of encouragement. You see that they care, like Jesus did. His mind was on an issue. And you see this person thinking about these problems or praying about them. Man, the best thing, the, the two fish and five loaves that we can give anybody is to encourage them to love God and love others. And that's what his mom did. She set him up with all he needed to go out and be something. When my wife and I were walking down that street and she stopped and she's like, Spencer, we got to do something. I could have been like, baby, I'm sure somebody gave them something. What's it going to do? No, I needed to breathe into that. I needed to go get two fish and five loaves, hand it to her, go care. Some of y'all need to do that for somebody. They just need your words of belief. Some of you are the little boy. You have a little something to offer, but you're intimidated by it or you're embarrassed by it. Did you hear what they said? When Andrew brought it in, he was like, hey, I got this little lunch. What's it going to do? Never mind. We feel that way. I only have this little bit of savings. I only have so much time a week. I had this idea, but now nah, it's a crazy idea. No one's going to believe in it. You need to give it. Because what Andrew saw in that little boy wasn't what he was given. He saw his belief. You need to believe in what you have. You need to believe in the conviction that you're having for facing a problem in our city. Some of you are Andrew. Some of you got connections. You're on the inside. And you're going to come across somebody with a little idea one day, and you're going to see the miracle in it. And it's going to be your responsibility to take it and go shoot an email and say, yo, can I sit down with you and have lunch? Sure. And you go take that person on lunch and say, I, I saw something happen, man. And it's amazing. I'm seeing somebody think and care about the issues in our city, and it's a small little operation. But could you tell your boss? Could you tell your agency? Could you? This is what Andrew did. He made the connection. He knew he couldn't multiply, but he had the inside. He was in with Jesus. He was one of them. I got you, dog. I'll take you to Jesus. He was on the inside. Some of you have connections. You have people that are important in your life, and you know what they could do if you would vouch for their idea. I've seen it. There's an outreach in our city right now that feeds needy people once a week, and somebody saw that and said, we need to help that out, and they went and bought them a van. True story. In our city. That's Andrew. That's some of you. Jesus was the multiplier. He was the only one that was going to be able to take these two and five and turn it into 15,000. But he's given some of you the power of multiplication. Some of you have resources, finances, property, whatever. 
and you know it. And he's given it to you. And one day some Andrew's gonna come to you with an idea, with a little dream of somebody else's to help. And all it's gonna need is you to go, I can multiply that. All of us, all of us are the disciples. When that stuff turned into a hot fish fry, they were handing there with the baskets. It was their time to get involved. Just go help. You don't need to, to miraculously change anything. You didn't need to be part of the setup. You just happened to show up. Now go be part of it. Get your hands involved. Get into an outreach. Serve. Learn today how you can help our community. Serve in, an, in a homeless shelter, a soup kitchen. Adopt your block. All things that we do here. And I love that. Is that me? Uh, about, I thought the battery's dead. I mean, you have to get the younger version of me. I love that Patrick is so adamant about prompting us to live it before we lead it. I love the Adopt the Block ministry. I'm involved in that. I get to see and be part of miracles all the time. And you know, the best part about it is it reminds me who am I? Who am I? I'm in need like anybody else. What's your part today? Today, maybe your part is you simply need to receive the riches of God, forgiveness in Jesus, new life in Jesus. If that's your decision today, you need to make that today. You need to tell somebody you made it today. For all of us, what's your part? Mom, little boy, Andrew, multiply, disciples, what? Come on, there's no stops. We all fall under one of them and it's time to activate. God's interest in us has nothing to do with the interest we accumulate in our account or the lack thereof. So why don't we take some interest in him right now? Why don't you just close your eyes? He's got a moment for you right now. A moment of decision, a moment of action. So why don't you just take this time and let him have his way with you. Tell him verbally what you're committing to do. God, I'll give my little idea. Jesus, I believe in you today. God, I'm going to help somebody make their dream bigger to make our community better. Take a moment. Just pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.